Welcome to the Council of Institutional Investors podcast on corporate governance and financial regulation. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. The purpose of these monthly podcast episodes is to update CII members and the general public on developments in corporate governance and related CII advocacy activities in connection with the administration's initiative to reform the U.S. financial regulatory system. This update covers a period from April 26th to May 31st, so let's get started. Turning first to Congress. On May 8th, the House Financial Services Committee, chaired by Maxine Waters of California, favorably reported to the full House five bills. Those bills included H.R. 2534, the Insider Trading Prohibition Act. That bill, introduced by Representative Jim Hines of Connecticut, amends the federal securities laws to prohibit certain securities trading and related communications by those who possess material non-public information. In a May 7th letter to the chair and ranking member of the committee, CI publicly supported H.R. 2534. We concluded that the bill would provide investors, other market participants, and the courts a clearer, simpler, and more consistent standard on insider trading without upsetting most standing precedents. The bill has not yet been voted on by the full House. On May 15th, the House Financial Services Investor Protection Entrepreneurship and Capital Markets Subcommittee, chaired by Carolyn B. Maloney of New York, held a hearing to examine legislative proposals that are designed to provide more information to help investors make decisions based on long-term economic growth. Specifically, the subcommittee examined four draft bills, including draft legislation that would amend the federal securities laws to require issuers to disclose information about human capital management and annual reports. Subcommittee also examined a draft bill to direct the Securities and Exchange Commission to study existing stock buyback practices, including incidents where the practice may be misused to enhance executive stock options and the impact of buybacks on worker wages. In a May 14th letter to the Chair and Ranking Members Subcommittee, CII expressed general support for the draft bills on human capital management disclosure and on studying stock buybacks. While acknowledging that the time has come to seek ways to improve disclosure of both qualitative and quantitative elements of human capital management, our letter suggested that legislation is just one way to accomplish that goal. Our letter also recommended that the draft bill be improved to replace the proposed time period in which the SEC is required to issue a final rule from 120 days after enactment to 360 days. Our letter also sought to replace the proposed mandate that the final rule require disclosure of nine specific items with a requirement that the Commission consider whether the final rule should require those items. Finally, our letter also recommended the draft bill be improved to clarify that the SEC would consider whether any final rule should include qualitative disclosures that provide companies the opportunity to explain and comment on required quantitative metrics. On the draft legislation related to studying stock buybacks, Our letter to the subcommittee indicated that stock buybacks are an important element in allocation of capital and that restricting the ability of companies to do buybacks could harm investors. Notwithstanding that view, we acknowledge that not all buybacks may be appropriate and there is merit in a study on the issue. Our letter recommended improving the draft legislation by requiring a more comprehensive study on how the SEC might improve public company management and board disclosures of stock buybacks to better meet the information needs of investors. Moving now to the Senate, where the Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs, chaired by Michael Crapo of Idaho, has noticed a nominations hearing for Wednesday, June 5th, that includes consideration of Allison Lee for the vacant Securities Exchange Commission commissioner seat. Ms. Lee, who previously served at the SEC in various roles, including as counsel to former Commissioner Kara Stein, was nominated by the administration to fill Commissioner Stein's seat, which was vacated in January when the maximum 18 months beyond Commissioner Stein's five-year term expired. While we expect the Banking Committee to promptly vote in favor of Ms. Lee's nomination following the June hearing, 
It is unclear when a vote on Miss Lee's nomination by the full Senate will occur. A favorable vote by the full Senate, of course, is required before Miss Lee will be able to take her seat on the commission. On April 29th, CIA issued a press release accompanied by a rulemaking petition requesting that the SEC require companies in the compensation discussion and analysis section of their proxy statements to explain why they are using any non-GAAP metrics in setting executive compensation and provide a quarterly reconciliation of such metrics to their GAAP financials. In our letter, we argue that given the complexity in executive pay plans and confusion about links between pay and performance, investors need greater transparency about the measures boards use to determine incentive pay. Our petition is supported by research from several sources, including MIT Sloan School of Management senior lecturer Robert Posen and prominent accounting analyst Jack Sazelski, founder of Archie Associates, Inc. On May 2nd, CIA issued a letter to the SEC in response to solicitation of comment on a notice of filing of a proposed rule change by the NASDAQ to adopt additional requirements for listing in connection with an offering under Regulation A of the federal securities laws. Our letter supports the NASDAQ efforts to strengthen their listing standards for Regulation A companies in response to a number of problems, including potential fraud, that NASDAQ has identified with certain of those companies. In our letter, we respectfully requested that the SEC perform their own detailed analysis of the cost to investors resulting from the problems that have occurred at companies that have opted into the limited accounting and disclosure requirements of Regulation A. And we ask the SEC to use that analysis to carefully consider future SEC or exchange rulemakings that permit less burdensome accounting and disclosure standards for some or all SEC registrants. On May 3rd, the SEC issued proposed rule amendments to the financial disclosure requirements of Regulation SX, as well as related rules and forms for financial statements of businesses acquired or to be acquired and for business dispositions. The proposed changes are intended to prove for investors the financial information about acquired or disposed businesses, facilitate more timely access to capital, and reduce the complexity and cost to prepare the disclosure. Specifically, the proposed amendments would, among other measures, require the financial statements of the acquired business to cover up to the two most recent fiscal years rather than up to the three most recent fiscal years, which is the current requirement. Comments on the proposal are due July 29th. CII currently plans to submit a comment letter in response to the proposal. On May 9th, the SEC proposed by a vote of 3 to 1 with Commissioner Robert J. Jackson Jr. dissenting amendments to Exchange Act rules that would revise the definitions of accelerated filer and large accelerated filer to exclude any issuer that is eligible to be a small reporting company under a revenue test. The proposed amendments are intended to reduce costs for certain lower revenue companies by more appropriately tailoring the types of companies that are categorized as accelerated and large accelerated filers while maintaining effective investor protections. As a result of the proposed amendments, smaller reporting companies with less than $100 million in revenues would not be required to have an assessment of the effectiveness of internal control over financial reporting attested to and reported on by an independent auditor. In his dissent, Commissioner Jackson criticized key elements of the economic analysis on which the majority relied, saying it was dated and failed to make any serious attempt to evaluate benefits, only costs. The proposed amendment is in conflict with CII's long-standing position that public companies should be required to have an external, independent auditor attest to and report on management's assessment of internal controls over financial reporting. CI most recently discussed the basis for that view in an April 2017 letter to the chair and ranking member of the Committee on Financial Services. Comments on the SEC proposed amendments are due by July 29th. 
CII currently plans to submit a comment letter in response to the proposal. On May 20th, SEC Chairman Jay Clayton issued a statement announcing that the Commission will hold a roundtable this summer to hear from investors, issuers, and other market participants about the impact of short-termism on our capital markets and whether our reporting system or other aspects of SEC regulation should be modified to address those concerns. The roundtable appears to be at least in part a follow-up to the SEC's December 2018 request for comment on earnings releases and quarterly reports. CI submitted a letter to the SEC in response to that request for comment in March of this year. In that letter, we indicated that the view of some that quarterly financial reporting encourages short-term thinking is outdated and generally not supported by empirical evidence. We also stated that if the Commission wants to encourage long-term decision-making by public company management, the focus should be on discouraging quarterly forecasted earnings guidance rather than eliminating quarterly financial reporting. Chairman Clayton's statement uh, requested the submission of comments on the topic. CII has been invited to participate at the roundtable, which is likely to be scheduled in mid-July. CII also currently plans to submit a comment letter in response to Chairman Clayton's request. Finally, on May 22nd, the SEC's latest semi-annual agenda was released. The agenda includes plans to update rules on proxy advisors and shareholder proposals. The agenda item on proxy advisors says the SEC's Division of Trading and Markets is considering recommending that the Commission propose rule amendments to address proxy advisors' reliance on the proxy solicitation exemptions in Rule 14A-2B. Currently under that rule, proxy advisory firms do not have to make proxy solicitations, which are costly and time-consuming. The agenda item on the shareholder proposal rule says the SEC's Division of Corporation Finance is considering recommending that the Commission propose rule amendments on the thresholds for filing shareholder proposals under Rule 14A8. The agenda indicates that the SEC expects to issue proposed rules on both items before April 2020. On shareholder proposals, CI favors keeping the current SEC Rule 14A8 eligibility requirements, including the existing resubmission thresholds. We believe the current rule provides institutional and retail investors a reasonable opportunity to submit shareholder proposals for potential inclusion in company proxy statements. For decades, shareholder proposals have been a key tool for retail and institutional investors to communicate with other shareholders and company board and management on important issues affecting public companies. Many of the corporate governance best practices contained in CI policies have been voluntarily adopted by companies in response to shareholder proposals. We see little evidence that the current volume of shareholder proposals, which constitute approximately 2% of the voting items at company annual reports, causes a significant cost burden. On the topic of proxy advisory firms, we share the view of most investors and other market participants that's perhaps best summed up in the following four sentences of an April speech by Rick Fleming, the SEC investor advocate. In that speech, Mr. Fleming stated, quote, Some have criticized proxy advisors and alleged that they have conflicts of interest to their business models, factual errors in their analytical processes, and a political agenda that supports social policies at the expense of investor returns. All of these things would cause me great concern, except for one thing. The investors who are paying for the service are not the ones who are expressing those concerns. Indeed, At the roundtable on the proxy process that the Commission held last November, I think the investors made it pretty clear they are relatively happy with the services they receive from proxy advisors. It is not to suggest that proxy advisors are perfect, but to the extent that any problems exist, it seems that their paying customers should be the ones to raise them, unquote. 
For more information about CII's current views with respect to proxy advisory firms and shareholder proposals, please see our April 8th letter to the chair and ranking member of the Senate Banking Committee. That completes my corporate governance and financial regulation update. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.